podcasting for Radio Dummies, a new podcast from Radio Inc. with your host, Ed Ryan. And thank you very much, Peter Rad, for that opening jingle. You can always check out Peter's work at radtunes.com. That's radtunes.com with two D's. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcasting for Radio Dummies. My name is Ed Ryan, Editor-in-Chief of Radio Inc. Magazine. Right now, all 17 of our shows from Season 1 and Season 2, including our interviews with Stephen Goldstein, Tom Webster, and Fred Jacobs to start off this season, Season 2, are archived on our website, RadioInc.com. Just look for the Podcasting for Radio Dummies box on the right side of our website. Our guest today had a long and successful career in radio, and a few years ago, he decided to launch his own company, and that company is called Sound That Brands. Dave Beezing, welcome to Podcast Ed, Radio Dummies. How are you? Thank you. I am great, and it's an honor to uh, to be here. The, <laughs> I don't know uh, about that. <laughs> I, uh, no, it is. I've been. I've been. Uh, at first, I wasn't sure whether podcasting for Radio Dummies referred to the guests. Or to the audience, but um, uh, being in the company of Fred Jacobs and Steve Goldstein and Tom Webster is uh, is never a bad thing. So right, thank you right. for having me on. Sure, sure. My no, first okay. my first tip, by the way, uh, for podcast about podcasting for Radio Dummies is you don't have to set a specific time, like say six o'clock Pacific when you <laughs> when <laughs> you do podcast right. it's not like radio where you've got to be on the air at a specific time i'm kidding you but i don't, it, it, I don't uh, know what it is it's the radio thing i can't get let go of it if, <laughs> if you say you're going to be on at nine you have to be on at nine at live and you don't but obviously you don't need to do it live either like we're doing um so it's, let me ask it, you the it's first it's all question. good i'm honored to be here dave the uh, the name of your company sound that brands does that have something to do with your history at the sound in Los Angeles is that is that how you came up with that it's pretty coincidental actually no it, it, it that wasn't wasn't a consideration I, and unless maybe in some sort of a uh, unconscious way the word was still stuck in my head and I can't get it out but um, no it, it really just referred to as I was thinking how can I come up with the idea that this is audio that helps brands that want to develop a connection with their with their audience with their customers so no that's 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 where it came from so sound that brands means what what is the company about when did you launch it and why uh, launched it right after uh, I left the sound which would be the end of 2017 or after the sound left Los Angeles I guess I should say um, and that was yeah you know, that was a great great run since uh, since this is uh, a, a, an audience of largely radio people i will uh take a moment to talk about how how, how grateful i am that we had a nine and a half almost 10 year run on that station it was uh it was a great brand and and so much fun for for all of us to be involved in that a very rare opportunity and a career highlight for everybody and but i knew it, it lasted quite honestly it it lasted longer than any of us would have predicted and so i had a lot of time to think about what's next in my world after the sound and i didn't think it would be continue to be radio i had after consulting with fred uh jacobs consulting for fred as an employee i should say uh for 12 years before that I only went back to radio at, on a local level 
because it was in my backyard here in Los Angeles. Uh, I lived out here all those years working for Fred as well. And it was a chance to have an impact in in such a cool market with a a product that I could create. But but I didn't think that after that experience – uh, as good as it was, th- that there could be something to top it or that would that would uh, be of interest to me in in radio. So all along, I've been planning some sort of some sort of a parallel career path uh, that I would jump to and podcasting pretty, uh, uh, pretty early on uh, became my goal. Um, what was the question? So <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> before we get on to the podcasting part of it. What uh, what is your impression of the radio industry today? H- how are they doing? Um, there are certainly some struggles, that's for sure. I I worry about it in some senses. I think that the, a lot of the 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 reasons we all loved radio when, when many of us who were in it for decades got into it are still there. They, they, there's, there's still some exciting things to be done there, but the model that requires the business model that requires 10, 12 minutes of commercials an hour at a minimum, um, just doesn't seem relevant in 2019. Um, I, I was on a panel at the worldwide radio summit, uh, about a month ago. And the point that I made there, and I really thought they would, uh, some of the radio people might uh, escort me out of the place. Uh, but no, they, I think everyone's feeling it and it now admitting it, uh, is that, that, that business model is dated and that, uh, the, the problem is that every day somebody wakes up and realizes that people don't listen to long spot sets. Um, and unfortunately the, the way these stations are, are bought and leveraged and, and, uh, the money that's required to pay down the debt and keep running, um, somewhat requires the perpetuation of the myth that people will listen to that many commercials, that many interruptions. Our motto at sound that brands is since we're doing branded podcasts is be the content, not the interruption. And, So that's that's really what we're trying to do is create something that is commercial in nature, but doesn't feel that way to the listener. I think that in this day and age, that's the type of, if you want to put it in quotation marks, commercial that people really do want and do appreciate when a brand can entertain, enlighten, inform. Um, unfortunately, that's rarely done in the form of a 30 or 60 second spot let alone five to ten of them strung together to, in a spot set. Why do you think radio's in denial about the length of the spot sets? No matter who you ask about it, it seems like, yeah, yeah, that's okay. We're okay with that. Well, really, um, I, I'm, su- I'm surprised that they say that. Uh, and I hope I, – I don't think the rank and file is in denial. I really don't. I think that – I think that uh, – there are people who uh, in the boardroom maybe have to continue to say that. But I, I think that, that most folks understand that that cannot go on forever. It simply will not. It, it, it won't. And um, as a programmer, one of the tools that I liked to use was from media monitors, the squiggly EK, as I called it, the squigglies, 
But the EKG line that shows you your raw meters going up and down throughout a day, you could use that so many ways to move spot sets around to see if a feature was causing a spike or causing a decline after the, quickly after the spike, that sort of thing. And granted, the sample is always very small when you're looking at the meters listening at any one point in time. But what you could consistently see with any one of those EKG lines is that is where the commercials are. Mm-hmm. I, I, you could you could show me an EKG line of the meters on a radio station, and uh, I don't have to know the station, the market, the format, anything to tell you exactly where the commercial breaks are. Sure. And I think advertisers are figuring that out. All right, so you launch uh, your new company, and it's uh, you know it's, it revolves around podcasting. So uh, you know when you put a shingle out, it doesn't doesn't mean crap. You know it doesn't really mean anything. You know how do you get it started? How do you get a customer? What was your you know what, what was your plan there? Well, the first big customer uh, and 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 big success, I must say, is the Trader Joe's podcast that Steve Goldstein and I. Uh, produced together for them, and you've—I I know Steve and you touched on that as well, so we don't have to go into great detail about it. But um, that was something that um, uh, that came to me in, through unusual circles. Uh, in that, you know, I was acquainted with the the marketing director there, and we got to talking one day. Uh, it was something that they were already thinking about, and. Uh, it was kind of a Dr. John, right place, right time kind of a situation um, that we were able to further the conversation and, and explain to her what our thoughts were and hear her thoughts. And it all worked out very well. So that was the, the jumping off point. And that was that was in the works even before the sound went away. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it, it's a great place to start. What a wonderful brand. Fantastic people, uh, great message to tell, cult following, uh, so downloads are not a problem. People really are interested in what happens on the inside of that store. If anything, I, I will divulge that they were smarter than me in that they knew from the start that a podcast that many would consider somewhat too inside, perhaps, um, because it, it is truly about the brand and about what happens inside the stores and inside the creation and, puration and, and uh, curation of those products. Um, the, the staff being so friendly, sustainability even. Uh, uh, the next episode that's coming out is about why is everybody so nice? At Trader Joe's, so it's about the behind-the-scenes training and how they find these people, and 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 to someone who is not necessarily uh, that familiar with Trader Joe's, if there are any of those left, uh, that may sound at times like it's too inside. Uh, and my original concept uh, in talking with them was to do what you might expect from from most food podcasts: talk about. Uh, new ways to prepare the next Thanksgiving dinner or um, great snacks for a Super Bowl party or what have you and weave the brand into something that was more generically a, a, a food podcast. They were right that there are so many folks that find Trader Joe's fascinating that are such fans of them, both from a consumer standpoint and also as a model example for business practices 
that it, it's found a, a really big audience by being truly inside Trader Joe's. So well, that, I, that's been fun. I have to admit, I don't get out of the house much. I've never set foot in a Trader Joe's uh, facility. But the question I have for you is, uh, what's a, what is it about that content that uh, that makes it good for listening? And how can radio stations mimic that to go to a local or regional business and, and do the same thing? I think that that part of the secret sauce on that that is no longer, I guess, secret, as I tell you now, is um, is the time and uh, cliche as it sounds, the love that gets put into those episodes. Um, what a mistake that that local radio often would make in approaching a situation like that is thinking that a podcast is much like on air in that you walk into a studio, <clears throat> excuse me, you you probably have some preparation done, but you walk into a studio, you turn on the mics, and a half hour later you turn them off, and with minimal editing, you've got yourself a podcast. Um, with that podcast and with others that we work on, the preparation is enormous, but we also take the time to really get to know the people that are on there and get them comfortable behind a microphone. So what turns into, after editing, a four- or five-minute interview uh, takes an hour or more sure. to conduct at the time. We look for, let's say we have someone who's an expert on nutrition labels and how to read them to be on. I think a lot of people are interested in that topic these days because we're curious about what we're putting into our bodies. But that topic, if if you weren't careful, could really drag on and be something that, that uh, takes, takes too long to explain. But we look for the truly relevant information, and we also look for those wonderful human moments where people are being people. And that's where the cast, if you will, the folks at Trader Joe's, they call themselves crew members. I guess cast is more of a Disney term. But for my sake, on a podcast, they're cast members. They, uh, they're wonderful people. It's, they truly do have a culture there of hiring great people, both inside and outside of the stores. So getting those human moments is not difficult. Now, <clears throat> for local stations, there are some, some stations out there that are doing branded podcasts, uh, starting to get their feet wet with that. And the challenge always, the other challenge with branded podcasts always is looking at it from a CPM perspective versus an impact on the brand perspective. There are some clients who get it. There are some salespeople who get it. But many of the folks who have bought radio in the past or who have sold radio in the past are thinking about rates with more of a CPM perspective. And while that can be applied in the podcast world and is, when you get into branded podcasts, there are other things that need to be measured uh, in terms of ROI. And Trader Joe's is a great example in that we believe and have strong reason to believe that we're having a huge impact uh, on their brand. Um, it's a brand that didn't need a lot of help, but that's the goal is to uh, enhance the loyalty of to the brand and the likelihood to make a purchase there in the future. And are they uh, dropping ads about products in the podcast? 
Uh, yes, but again, because it's uh, you know in the model, in the spirit of branded podcasting, the ads don't feel like ads. Gotcha. So uh, we don't stop down and say, now here's a word about what's happening in the freezer case. There's something that uh, we we uh, we weave it into the conversation, and it's handled in in a way that that doesn't. Back to the model, feel back to the motto. Excuse me, it doesn't feel like an interruption. It feels like content. So we have uh, Dave Beezing on with us, uh, a, a brand new company that focuses on uh, podcasts. And Dave, uh, from the radio industry to the podcasting space, tell the radio managers out there that are listening how to make money. Well, isn't that the question, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um. um I, I think that, again, it's a balance between CPM and sponsorships. Um, it, it's, 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 there's more of a tendency uh, for everyone to do what they're comfortable with, what they have been doing, which is selling advertising almost as a commodity as opposed to as its own wonderful, living, breathing, branded product. And uh, more and more brands are realizing that they can be their own media outlet, that they can create content, be it podcasts, uh, be it social media posts, video for social media, video for their own sites, um, participating in Snapchat and all these other places and creating uh, original content. So I think what has to happen for radio to truly embrace and understand podcasting is um, while on the one hand it has a ring of familiarity to it in that it's audio content with advertising inserted into it, great, finally a, a piece of digital that radio folks truly understand in that respect. But look at it a little bit differently as well that you are creating content for a different platform and understand those differences in the platform and the differences in how it should be sold, how it should be packaged and how it should be uh, uh, promoted. There are some companies out there that are doing a, a, a great job um, and are really just getting started. I think we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. The companies, the, the approach so far, and, and not surprisingly because it's new, and because resources are limited, the um, the efforts have tended to be top down. They've tended to be national efforts, uh, be it uh, buying a piece of a company or um, putting it on the big wide company app, that sort of thing. And that's great. Um, it, it's good that they're learning about the business and they're starting to own uh, stakes in it. But what I really love uh, about some of the efforts out there, and I'll cite um, Hubbard and Bonneville as two examples, is less of a top-down approach and more of a market-up approach where they are empowering their local people to create some wonderful local products, local podcasts that sometimes they discover have appeal in other markets outside of those markets. But regardless of that, they have a pretty good roster of podcasts in some of their markets uh, that are designed just for those markets. I mm -hmm. think if you if you one of the things that I tell radio people as I travel the country is 
if you could picture yourself being at, let's say, a newspaper company or even running a local department store or retail business in 1920, and you just heard about this uh, weird broadcasting thing in Pittsburgh that uh, uh, has just started where they, they got on the air in time to to report election night results with uh, uh, Warren Harding being elected president. And you, you would probably, if you can put yourself in that mindset of 1920, look at this broadcast thing as being something that is – kind of cool and and maybe you know the the word on the street some people are saying that it it might spread and it's probably going to pop up in some other places but gee are they really making money with that is it I mean, how are you going to monetize that um how are our newspaper ad sellers going to understand how to sell commercials if that's even the model on a radio station you really need that sort of pioneering spirit where you say to yourself, okay, let's fast forward five or ten years. It's happening quickly, so maybe that's maybe that's uh, farther down the road than you really need to look. But if there were no local masthead for news in this market, if, if, if I was here in this city when there was no newspaper, or if I was here in this city when there was no radio station or TV station, I might not have extravagant revenue goals for my first few years, but there's an opportunity for me to aggregate local content, put local people into this new project, and become known as a local hub, if you will, for on-demand content in this case. And some of these companies like uh, Bonneville and Hubbard are starting to look at it that way. So uh, on that topic, Hubbard and um, uh, Podcast One just released a brand new podcast. Um, they announced it today uh, called 22 Hours, An American Nightmare. It's a true crime podcast. And, um, you know, they're using their reporters from the radio station to uh, create mm-hmm. the 10 episodes. And um, it's a great example of what you're saying. That That is a great example. And, and that will that will filter up through podcast one and do very well. What Bonneville has done, and you know how hot true crime is. <clears throat> excuse me as a genre if you look through any chart you want to look at be it on apple or stitcher or wherever a lot of these wondery produced podcasts will give that studio credit because they're leading the way in true crime they're doing extremely well they take up a huge percentage of the charts these days in podcasting similar example to the hubbard one that you just cited that launched today and and good on them is bonneville's cold out of Salt Lake City. Yep. Uh, Cold is about the 2009 disappearance of Susan Powell, uh, a local housewife in Utah, and the investigation that ensued, and and so forth. and And it's 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 about actually so much more than that. In that, this was an abusive relationship that she was in uh, that ended in tragedy. Uh, for not only her, but for her two little children and for um, her husband, who uh, was the prime suspect that they never quite uh, found the uh, enough evidence to 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 um, to prosecute before he uh, took himself and his kids out of off this earth. Um, it's a sad story, but it's a fascinating story. 
all the way through because it was an abusive relationship, but not physically abusive. And so it's caused a lot of people uh, to take a look at that dynamic and whether they, whether society and whether the culture in Utah as a whole encourages relationships like that to continue, even though uh, they should not, and that there should be some signs that are recognized and and uh, so forth. So using using that theme and, and, and having people in Utah rally around that idea and take pledges to, to help change the world with Susan in mind, Susan Powell in mind, it's become not just a podcast, but a movement in Utah. They launched that show, uh, KSL in Bonneville in Salt Lake City. They launched that show locally, and it zoomed to number one on the national chart with only local promotion. And at that point, <clears throat> excuse me, I had been working with Cheryl Worsley, uh, their director of podcasting there. Um, she has a better title than that, but that's what I'll call her. Uh, she, she has a far more encompassing uh, title. She and I had been talking to some national podcasting studios and getting a good reception from them about this before she launched. But due to local competitive pressures and commitments, they had a deadline to meet. And the offers that came in were okay. And then they said, all right, we're just going to have to go alone on this, go it alone and, and meet our deadline and launch this. They did it shot to number one. And then the phone started ringing and the offers had suddenly improved from the national studios. Wow. So now it's, uh, yeah, so now it's, uh, it's doing very, very, continues to do very, very well in the national charts. Wondery has some bonus materials and episodes behind paywall and those are doing extremely well as as well it's helping their one plus tier of paywall programs uh get off the ground and uh, they're doing a live event this coming thursday night as we record this i believe it's may 16th um in salt lake city and that will be sold out in a pretty good sized theater in salt lake city with people coming there wanting to meet some of the people that were involved in the construction of this podcast, believing in the cause and seeking additional information about that whole case. So that that's been a, a fascinating case, that story, uh, that podcast of a local podcast that has done very, very well on a national uh, basis. Well, Dave, you know, radio is just set up, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, so perfectly for this for this medium, because they have the great storytellers, you know, not the voice trackers, but they have great storytellers. They're all over the country. They have these huge local audiences. You just cited a great example of how, how it could work or at least help it to work and propel it nationally. Yet they're just not really sure if the time they put into it is going to be worth it at the beginning. Because, you know, you could bomb one or you could, you know, be taking a lot of the time up of an employee that's responsible for so many other things. So it's it's a tough call. But, um, you know, it, it seems like they have the perfect people and the megaphones. Yes, exactly. Both. And, and you cite um, a good reason to also look at branded podcasts locally because which they're doing in, in places like Salt Lake City and, and at Hubbard and other places as well. Because one of the beautiful things from a business standpoint about branded is it's less of that horse picking kind of uh, situation where you're you're looking at content and you're deciding where to make your investment 
with your fingers crossed and hoping that it'll be the hit that you think it'll be, that is difficult, whether it's uh, horse racing or podcasts or or hit records or anything like that. That's always a, a, a risky proposition. Uh, with branded podcasts, the money's up front. Uh, you produce it after the sale has been made and after you know exactly what your profit margins are going to be. So I would encourage local broadcasters to to especially look at Branded as an opportunity for that reason, too. Just over the last couple of weeks, we've seen Bob Pittman launch his own podcast and Cumulus do a deal with Wondery, which I thought was outstanding. Uh, what a great relationship that could be. You know, they've got some of the best content out there, some of the best shows. And then yep. Cumulus with stations all over the country it just seems to make perfect sense. It does. Yeah. I, I, these are all very encouraging things. I, I told uh, back to my, my panel at the worldwide radio summit, I joked that, but I was serious that the worldwide radio summit would probably in a year or two be the worldwide audio summit. Uh, and I think that those sorts of things will happen. I don't know as there's magic to the term audio, nor do I suggest that radio is a bad word. I just think that exactly what you're talking about everything is merging and eventually in the same way that when i come home at night and i turn on my my dvr and i watch the shows that i want to watch i'm barely conscious of which of those programs i receive via hulu hbo some sort of subscription service cable over the air whatever it's all just great video programming and i think the same will happen with audio so uh, what is your advice to on-air talent in in terms of being prepared to you know i hate to bring this up but there i did last week as well with uh with steve that there's a chance if you're on the air you might lose your job and um you you should be prepared to do something like this if you if that audience follows you in your local market they love you how can you be prepared to take your, you know, take your uh, show uh, and make it a podcast? What would you say? <clears throat> well, I'm not sure that simply taking your existing show and making a podcast would be the right route to to, to take. But um, I, I hear your question, I and I think that that it is a real concern for radio people in that. You do need to be the kind of talent, the, time, the kind of personality who has the following that you're talking about. The, the people that I worry about uh, are the midday type right. music present presenters um, who have added a lot to the brand value of their radio stations, but they are somewhat disposable in the eyes of management and ownership or – if not disposable, at least interchangeable. Uh, so they are a cog in the wheel more so. The personalities that truly do stand out and make these brands richer, I, I do strongly encourage them to right now consider that they can do on the side. And I, and I know that much like the salespeople who look at the new podcast offerings from down the hall and say, okay, I could spend my time uh, selling the 
morning traffic sponsorship, um, or I could spend my time trying to explain people how podcasting works, and mm-hmm. and it's a difficulty of where they're, which is the lowest hanging fruit, and how to devote your resources. Same with the talent. I get it. And I've been places where the talent or the program director on a music station looks at me and says, I don't get it. And what they don't get is not that podcasting is growing, but they don't get the relationship between podcasting and their goals. Uh, First of all, they're not incentivized on audience that they reach through uh, podcasts or through other means for that matter. I think that radio's got to look at the bonus plans that they put into the program directors and the talents contracts. If they're going to try to own these other uh, these other outlets, if they're going to try to own all of the content that these personalities and programmers put out into the world, then they need to incentivize them to reach people through these other means, not just uh, based on Nielsen ratings. Um, I, but I, if you can find the time, do find the time. You've got to – don't be – don't be like a silent movie movie star that doesn't make the transition to talkies. There's there's a new technology that's coming. You've got to make yourself relevant with this new technology and learn how it works and 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 use it. I would also encourage talent to be tough if you can, if you can get away with it. Don't get those restrictive contents uh, content uh, or excuse me, those restrictive contracts that say that the company's going to own everything mm-hmm. you put out there through all existing technologies and all technologies not yet invented or contemplated. And first of all, I think that's really short-sighted on the part of companies because the irony there is that that what's going to happen by telling your talent that you own everything that they do in podcasting and social media and everywhere else – is what happens most of the time is that because the sales department and because other people in the radio station, because there are other focuses, understandably, other priorities, those other projects don't tend to happen internally at the radio stations. There isn't the incentive. There isn't the push to do it. Uh, So therefore, it restricts the talent and they do far less than they could to further the company brand through new technology but also to further their own brands through these uh, through these new technologies. And further irony is that had that talent been in a situation, maybe they were on the beach for a year or two, uh, yet well-known in a market. Um, you take Heidi and Frank as an example in, in um, Los Angeles. They were off the air for a couple of years, and they decided, no, we're not going to take an offer to move to, to Dallas or Chicago or someplace. LA is our home now. We're going to do a podcast, create a website, get out, shake hands, kiss babies, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, then a broadcast gig did again reappear uh, a couple of years later. But when it did, and I have no idea what their contract looked like when they were offered it to go back to broadcast. But the irony is that by using these other technologies – they were a stronger brand than they would have been had they not been allowed to do that. So companies are hurting themselves when they say, no, 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 you must do everything under our roof 
and then they end up not letting them do anything or giving them the opportunity or the time or the resources to do anything because these people could be building their brands which would in effect which would in the long run help the broadcaster as well so they were running out of time not that time means anything on a podcast other than we both have <laughs> real jobs that we get paid to do so what are your three favorite podcasts that uh do not include trader joe's in the title <laughs> Um, I love all the true crime stuff on, uh, Wondry, uh, shout out to another former and still radio person, researcher, Mark Ramsey, who has reinvented a side career, reinvented himself with a side career in podcasting, uh, his inside series, inside jaws, inside psycho. I could not make it through inside the exorcist. I, I could only do about half an episode of, uh, of that before I. <laughs> Really? Before I had to, I had to go hide under my covers after that one. <laughs> uh, but uh, he does a phenomenal job with those. Um, the Carson podcast. Okay, I grew up in Nebraska, and I know this dates me a little bit. But as a kid, Johnny Carson was a hero for me because he was another native Nebraskan who had done well. Um, there is a Carson podcast out there where a gentleman talks to anybody and everybody who was ever associated with that show and tells some fantastic stories from a marketing and social media perspective, content perspective. I love the Gary V experience and all of uh, Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. Uh, Lost Notes for music fans. Lost Notes is a podcast from KCRW that is great at telling stories that you didn't know from the world of music. Um, Hollywood and Levine, my friend Ken Levine, who's also a radio veteran, but also a very successful uh, Hollywood screenwriter and TV screenwriter. He relives some great moments from Hollywood through that. And I could go on and on. But the one other that I have to mention is is the one that everybody listens to, at least I, I think last I heard a million and a half a day. I guess that's not everybody, but it's a lot. The Daily from The New York Times that's how I start every day. I've got my smart speaker set up to tell me good morning and play the daily. It's phenomenal. And uh, I, I think that when you look at what has happened with disruption to print, uh, though it has not happened, and hallelujah, to, to radio to that degree, uh, nearly that degree, and may never to that degree, uh, let's hope. Um, nevertheless, it's interesting to see how print has found ways to reinvent itself and the profit uh, chart at the New York Times has reversed itself. They have not gotten back to their glory days, uh, but it's climbing, it's growing, and their stock has done very, very well in the past year um, because they're looking for opportunities like podcasting, um, partnerships with people like Showtime to do that series they did about their coverage of the White House. Uh, they're reinventing themselves. I think that's the future for everybody in heritage media is to look for those ways to be relevant with your brand, but not limited to the platform that you're on. Well, that's a great list of uh, podcasts. I just started listening to Running from Cops from Pineapple Street Media. It's mm. it's a great show um, uh, if, if you get a chance to listen to it out there, folks. Well, Dave, how, how do people reach you um, if they want to get in contact with you or pay you some money to consult them? Well, and, and, and the consulting is nice, by the way, but my emphasis is truly in, – in, in, 
I do take on a few consulting clients with old friends and and projects that are just too fun to pass up. Uh, but my emphasis is on being CEO of Sound That Brands, and we're we're growing that business rapidly. Reach out to me, Dave Beezing, D A V E B E A S I N G at soundthatbrands.com, or uh, maybe you'll remember just at Dave Beezing on Twitter. Love to hear from people. Great. Dave, thanks a lot. I appreciate you coming on, um, and we look forward to having you on again in the future. Thanks, Ed. And I am going to hang up on you, but don't take it personally. I'm going to wrap it up here and <laughs> talk to you soon, Dave. So take thanks care, Thanks a lot. Dave Beezing, everybody. Uh, check him out online. Check out his website. And also the Traders Joe, uh, Trader Joe's podcast uh, is also something that you should check out. And that wraps up another edition of Podcasting for Radio Dummies. We'll be back again next Friday live at 9 o'clock with John Gay. He's our uh, guest uh, on the show Friday at 9 o'clock. Everyone should have a happy Mother's Day. And we will be back in one week with another edition of Podcasting for Radio Dummies. Take it away, Peter Rad. Podcasting for Radio Dummies. A new podcast from Radio Inc. With your host, Ed Ryan.